we will kick off. We have about 16 people online at the moment, and I saw that we've also got some people from overseas, so welcome, everyone. Um, in terms of, um, so I mentioned that what we're going to cover today is essentially, so the background and the scene setting, so why we're actually running this session and hopefully what you'll get out of this uh, webinar. And then the eight steps that we've got to help people uh, re-engage uh, Road Act members and rebuild our clubs as well. Um, and then we'll have an opportunity to provide feedback and questions. So in regards to the background, so I think that if we look at why everyone's actually involved in Road Act, obviously everyone receives value for different different reasons. Um, but we all know that we see Rotoract as an awesome platform for us to contribute to the community, make friends, um, there's different kind of social elements and um, obviously the opportunity to create real meaningful change. But the challenges that we find is that we've got um, a whole host of, well, obviously everyone's volunteers, so that's a challenge in itself because people have a lot of different conflicting priorities. Um, and then we've got everyone at different stages of their life, um, so be it whether it's studying or moving into work. Um, and then also kind of the demands that follow all of those things as well. So understandably clubs then go through peaks and troughs where clubs will be really strong, but then perhaps um, you know, whether it's a group of rotor actors age out and the club starts to struggle or there's a leadership transition um, that means that perhaps, um, you know, whether there's conflict within clubs or perhaps, you know, peak clubs actually just lose their kind of strategy and overall focus and so forth. Um, and, you know, then club members are drained, lose energy, and it can be really challenging then for us to kind of, reinvigorate everyone and get our clubs working effectively so that, um, yeah, we can create, again, meaningful changes in our communities, but everyone can enjoy themselves and get what they are looking to get out of Rotoract as well. So to summarise everything, our eight-step plan uh, essentially involves um, so firstly, understanding the motivations of our members, and we are going to go into these individually in more detail, um, but I just wanted to provide an overview. So understanding everyone's motivations, why we're here, um, then looking at how we can actually hold brainstorming sessions effectively to get our members re-engaged. Then it's looking at, all right, well, we've got all of these ideas. How can we actually analyse the feedback that we've received and create a strategy that's achievable for us to follow? Then it's looking at, all right, how can we actually, now that we've got our strategy and all these things we want to achieve, how can we actually divide that up effectively? Um, what sort of projects can we focus on and how can we actually tie the club together in a long-term way? Um, then looking at engage, sponsor Rotary Club engagement, wrapping everything up under the banner of fun, and then making sure we evaluate everything on an ongoing basis. So I hope that as a starting point is nice and clear. Um, and now essentially we're going to go through each of those elements uh, individually so that we can understand why that is a relevant step and then how we can execute on that effectively as well. As I mentioned, if you've got any questions while um, the session's going, please feel free to add them in the comments. Um, Alex, I can see that you've asked when this webinar is scheduled to finish. Um, we've scheduled it from uh, for one hour, so it's currently 8.13 p.m. Australian 
Eastern Daylight Savings Time, we should finish around 9 p.m., um, if not earlier. So the first uh, step that we really need to look at is understanding everyone's motivations. So obviously there was a reason why you as individuals and all of your club members were actually engaged into joining Rotary in the first place, whether it was attending RILA and then wanting to become more engaged in the Rotary family, or perhaps you had moved to a new city and were looking for a way to make friends, or perhaps you just wanted to look at ways to give back within your community. So all of us have a reason for joining Rotaract in the first place. And I think one of the challenges that we often come across is that as time goes on, either that reason changes and we don't identify it, um, or we kind of forget what brought us to Road Act in the first place as different demands increase, particularly when we've got a club that is isn't functioning well. So whether there's dysfunction or the club's just kind of um, died and there's a lack of energy. Um, so one of the things that the first thing that's really important for people to understand is what's our purpose? What's brought us here? Um, so I think it's worthwhile everyone who's on the call um, actually considering themselves, um, you know, what is it that brought them to Rotaract? And then also taking some time to reflect on why you're still involved in Rotaract and happy for people to add some comments. It'd be great to get some interaction, like I said. So would love people to put in the comments as to, yeah, why they're, they are still, what brought them to Rotaract and why they're still here. Um, for me personally, what brought me to Rotaract, uh, so yes, there was some desire to give back to the community, um, but it was also an avenue for me to actually provide value for um, other people as well. So one of my personal passions is professional development. Um, and so I saw that I could actually bring some of the things that I had used as a, um, or learned as a leader in RILA, I could actually bring that into our Rotaract club that I had joined and actually run some professional development activities for our club. Um, so that's kind of why why I joined um, and why I continue to stay uh, is because I see huge potential in Road Act in general to create the change that you want to see in the world. So it doesn't matter what your own personal passion is, whether it's a particular focus area um, such as the environment or uh, disease or homelessness. Um, or whether it's actually about skill building and leadership or whether it is about, um, you know, that kind of international development piece, whatever it is that you're passionate about, whatever skills you have can be used within the platform of Rotaract and Rotary to actually change the world, essentially. So that's my motivation. Um, yeah, we'd love to see people engaging online. So Essentially, it's really important for us to understand why people are here because when people have a sense of belonging and understand what their motivations are for being there, it makes it easier for them to invest their, it essentially makes them easier to invest their time and commit because they see purpose in what they're, what they're doing. So one of the first things that you should do once you understand what your, the reason for your involvement is, is to then reach out to all of your members. Um, and get an understanding of why they're in Road Act. What is it that they want to do? Because as you work through these steps, you can start to build on where the common threads are and where the alignment is so that you can create a club where everyone's 
excited and engaged around a common purpose. So when it comes to understanding motivations, particularly when you've got a club that isn't, um, you know, isn't functioning well, perhaps the board's a bit tired and so forth, you know, start with your board. Why are they in Road Act and why have they joined the board? What did they want to achieve? What did they set out to do when they joined the board? And what's changed? So if you've noticed a decrease in people's motivations, um, why, you know, what's caused that? Because that'll help you, once you understand those sorts of things, that'll help you then actually look at resolving, resolving things as well. Once you've then reached out to all of your board members, it's a really good opportunity to reach out to the rest of your members as well. And it's a good opportunity for you to understand what the best way is for you to do that. Do you actually want to do that as part of a club meeting or do you actually want to do um, one-on-ones and, you know, take people out for coffee? And I think one of the really big things to consider here is, so whatever your role is, whether you're a president um, or someone else on the board, I think a really good thing to consider is just dividing and conquering. So if you're a president and you feel kind of um, a little bit um, perhaps burdened by running the club at the moment, um, if you can, once you've got your board re-engaged, perhaps, you know, however many of you are, so say there's, you know, five people on your board and you've got 15 members, it's easier than say, all right, well, why don't we all commit over the next month to have coffee with three members? Um, So then we can, you know, get an understanding of, you know, how they can, like I said, why they they joined and what meaningful impact that they want to have. Now, it's important to understand as well that with Rotaract, it's actually a two-way street. Yes, we join because we want to give to the community. Um, Or sorry, yes, we look at, um, we want to give back to the community, whether that's locally or internationally. But for us to stay, we actually need to, actually get something out of Rotaract as well. So the getting out of it comes back to the professional development components and the social components. And then it's the volunteering part, which is what we actually give to um, our community. So Rotaract, or at least there are other volunteering or other community groups out there. There's so many, whether it's the Cancer Council or, you know, St. Vincent de Paul or the RSPCA, there are so many different charities out there that, you know, do need volunteers. Um, but one of the things that we can really offer is that additional professional development um, opportunities and that social element as well. So it's one of the ways that we can kind of wrap around and keep people engaged. I am about to move on to the next step. Um, So I just wanted to understand whether anyone had any questions around understanding everyone's motivations prior to me moving on. And if not, um, so for those who've joined, just um, ask questions in the comments. Otherwise, I will move on to the next slide. So the next element is around brainstorming. So yes, it's simple to say, Um, all right, let's hold a brainstorming session. But you do need to consider what the purpose of that brainstorming session is. So it's important to consider, all right, does our whole club actually need an overhaul? Um, And if that's the case, um, you know, identify the elements that you actually need to look at in order to lift the club up. 
or perhaps it's just that meetings are a little bit tired at the moment. And so in that case, it's an opportunity for you to just ask your members how they want meetings to run, what's the content that they want, how do they want the social elements to work in comparison to whether they want guest speakers or do they actually want to be working on projects during their meetings. So first of all, work out what it is that you actually need to solve. So what are the issues? If you're in a situation where you really need a whole club revamp, um, then one of the first things that you can do that's actually um, a really good place to start is, so first of all, um, the first piece really comes around education. So we recently had a situation in one of our local clubs where a lot of the members were actually fairly new to Rotaract and hadn't been involved in kind of big events or big projects. And so to be honest, they didn't really know where to start or what the potential was because they didn't really have a benchmark onto the sorts of things that they might be able to achieve because they didn't really understand what resources were available to them. So what we actually did was we got in a previous rotor actor who was involved when the club was kind of at its peak and we just got them to talk about all the sorts of things that the club used to do. So whether it was um, advocacy around polio or whether it was um, holding, you know, some really cool social events like a um, we had a bus, a fluoro bus party that went through the city and raised some funds for Bernardo's or we held an amazing race. Um, we talked about some of our really big international projects where we did a medical camp in Nepal. Um, so really just exciting the members and educating them around what's even possible. Um, and particularly when you've got some when you've got some strong clubs or you've been a strong club in the past it's a way to engage them in what the history has been once you kind of set the scene and really induce the energy in that sense it's important to remind them that this the club that they're involved in it's their club so yes you've got a president yes you've got a board but really it's the members club it, that's the way that we're structured so the role of board is essentially to implement the ideas and initiatives that the members are interested in. And the president's role is to make sure that the if the board was a ship, that that ship's sailing smoothly. Um, and I think some of the time we get um, challenges come up when those expectations or responsibilities aren't clear. Um, so when, you know, a president or a board might actually have the perspective to, um, you know, that, well, as president, they get to drive some of the projects that they're interested in. And there's certainly that option to create visibility over the projects that you're interested in. Um, but in saying that, it's you've still got to remember that it's the members club. Now, Holly's just asked a question. She said, are there really strong clubs that do those things you mentioned? Who could help to brief boards, clubs with various ideas like this and how to achieve them? Thanks for the question, Holly. Absolutely. Um, so the club that I'm referring to at the moment is Sydney City Rotaract. Um, currently, the club um, is in a rebuilding phase. But going back uh, about three years ago, the club had 40 to 50 members. And yes, the club worked with one of our Rotary, uh, sorry, Rotary clubs. And we did do a, um, 
a mission to Nepal where we helped to rebuild a school and run a medical camp. Um, and I actually, so I actually did a presentation to Sydney City Rotary Act um, at our last meeting two weeks ago. I've got that in PowerPoint form and I would be happy to run that as a separate session. So another webinar on just what's possible um, and how we achieved all of those things. Um, so I would like to um, kind of, I guess, park that, but so yes, confirm it's absolutely possible. And then I can put that as the topic for our next webinar because I've already got the presentation ready to go. Thank you for the question. Um, so I'm going back to this brainstorming element. One of the things that I mentioned was that, um, so it is the members club. So one of the things to consider as well is what's actually your club's brand. Now it's easy to think, okay, well, we, Rotaract is, um, you know, a club for 18 to 30 year olds. Um, but I think it's really important to consider that there's a huge difference between an 18 year old and a 22 year old and a 30 year old. Everyone's at really different stages of their life. They have different skills, perhaps different experiences. And if you were to brand your club for that full age group, it's probably actually challenging to meet all of those people's needs. Now, some of this happens naturally when we develop university-based Rotaract clubs versus young professional-based Rotaract clubs. Um, but I think even within young professional or like older, so to speak, Rotaract clubs, um, it's even worth considering, are you a young professionals club and do you want that kind of corporate business professional development focus while you're doing community work? Or are you... Are you more um, relaxed and social in the community work that you're doing? And I know that some of the conversations I've had with members, um, there's conflict cause when you've got some members who want to be a bit more professional and other members that want to be relaxed as kind of because you can't actually meet those needs. Um, and yeah, for insight, I was actually involved in starting up a Rotaract club, but I was only a member for about a year because my personal um, preference is to be in a young professionals club and I couldn't really achieve or contribute in the way that I wanted to in that club so I left I took a break and then when I found a club that could meet those needs and that I could contribute to in that way I joined that club and I've been a member of that club um, since since then and it's been fantastic so I think branding is actually a really important thing and something we often don't consider now, in terms of when you look at your brainstorm, it's good to actually break things out into different buckets. So there's five things that I've listed there. So one's around volunteering. So that's from a local perspective and an international perspective. And often with volunteering, you can actually partner um, with different organizations as well or with your Rotary Clubs. Um, it might be, you know, I know, for example, in our district at the moment, we've got the Minograph Fair this weekend and one of our Rotary Clubs is involved in supplying some of the volunteers for Mardi Gras. Um, so, yeah, we didn't actually have to organise the parade, but we've got people who will be helping out with marshalling and so forth. Um, similarly, from an international perspective, um, I know people who've been engaged, uh, you know, whether it's with Rorks projects, which we'll touch on later, or also um, initiatives like Habitat for Humanity, which Rotary International actually has a global partnership with as well. So there's kind of a whole host of things you can do in the volunteering space. Then you've got professional development. So a really 
easy question to ask people is what are the skills, um, you know, from a professional perspective that you actually want to build? Are there things that people actually need for their career, be it project management or communication and public speaking or managing people? Um, and once you understand what the needs are, then you can start to look at shaping some of the events that can meet those needs. Similarly, from a social perspective, again, what is it that people would love to do socially? Do they have different ideas around how that's structured? Um, are there actually particular events that they want to do, whether it's, you know, bowling or whale watching or, you know, a winery tour, like how formal they like social to be? Um, and then looking at, you know, when you look at projects, it's like what are your areas of um, interest, understanding what else you can jump on board. We'll touch on projects a little bit later as well. Um, and then meetings. So meetings is really critical. Meetings are kind of your lifeblood because all of our clubs are meeting, you know, one or two times a month and meetings are what bring everyone together. So it's really similarly really important to make sure that your meetings are fun, they're engaging, that people want to be there, that they've got good energy. Um, and I think I mentioned a couple of things before, like do people actually want to listen to a guest speaker or has that kind of change because we've now got things like TED Talks where people can access, you know, quite high-profile speakers all the time. Do people actually want to work on their projects during meetings or do they want to use the meetings as kind of an information element and catch up on their project work later on? Does anyone have any questions around the brainstorming piece? Otherwise, I'll move on to the next section. Okay. So um, the next one then is around and analyzing your feedback. So once you've got kind of this plethora of ideas, it's really important to actually prioritize what you want to do. Um, sorry, I'm just going to read the comment that was posted. So Jen said, um, for Holly, for the Canberra Club, we've previously used SurveyMonkey to find out what's important to our members. And this year I did a Lucky Dip style quiz and the answer session to facilitate conversation and with that info, create a strategic plan with lots of consultation was just a way to capture what's important and therefore where our priorities are. So absolutely, some of your brainstorm could actually be by actually sending out a survey to all of your members. Um, one of the things I like about a live brainstorm is it really injects that energy component and you get everyone's contribution, which is really helpful. Um, but things like SurveyMonkey can be really useful um, to kind of, A, enable people who can't make the meetings to provide feedback as well, um, but B, also then you've kind of got the feedback all there to, to analyse. So thanks for that input, Jen, really appreciate it. So coming back to analysing feedback, so like I said, um, the first thing you want to do is actually prioritize the ideas. So out of, you know, the 20 ideas that are on the table, what is it that excites people the most? What is it that people are most passionate about? Because once you've identified what those elements are, then you're more likely to actually get buy-in and people to actually volunteer to help. Um, otherwise, if it's things that are, yeah, less, less in, I guess if there's less engagement, they're going to be harder. It'll, it'll be a bit more of a pull. Um, it'll be a bit more mentality rather than actually getting everyone along. So what you want to be able to do is start with the easy wins. What are the really simple things that you can implement that will actually engage people really well? 
Um, so one of the things that um, I'm, yeah, again, I'm personally passionate about. Um, so when I was president, and this is going back about four years, our club had a little bit of a kind of a negative critical culture. And one of my goals was to really reshape that and create a positive culture within the club. So one of the things that I changed, I know there's other Rotaract clubs out there doing this as well, was I changed our fine session, which was kind of exclusive to a um, happy coins um, session. So that being instead of having a sergeant target individual people and ask them to contribute for, you know, whatever reasons that were raised, instead it was a free for all. You could indicate, um, yeah, something that you were happy about for that week or if you'd had a tough week and you wanted to share that with everyone as a bit of a coins for karma. So we had people sharing everything from I got a new job to my sister's having a baby to oh, my God, my football team won on the weekend. Um, and it was just so much fun and it was voluntary. And we actually raised more than double the amount that we used to raise in the fine session when we did happy coins. So that was something that was really, really simple to implement, but a massive win for us because people were excited, we were raising more money and, um, yeah, just create this really nice, energetic way to finish our meetings. Um, so then the other thing to consider is, um, so democracy, as I mentioned, yes, you've got the president. Yes, you've got the board. Yes, you've got your members, but ultimately it's your members club. So do you actually get people to vote on, you know, what they're most passionate about? And perhaps you'll focus on a certain area for, you know, the first half of the year and then you'll vote again. Um, but, you know, definitely consider like a voting process so that you can actually work out what it is that, that members want to um, be involved in. So then they feel that sense of ownership and they know that they've chosen it. So there's something that they've really been brought along the journey with. Um, so I kind of touched on the events and projects that will provide the most energy. Um, and the last thing is which ideas fit your brand and target market? So if you are a university club, um, perhaps then uh, things that would be really useful for uni students is doing like CV and, if, and interview skills if you look at a professional development experience. But if you're looking at people who are young professionals, rather than CVs and interview skills, they might actually be interested in or more interested in um, people management, project management and skills that they need for their job. Does anyone have any questions around analysing feedback? All right, I will move on to step number four. All right, so step number four is really around engaging the club as a whole and really understanding how all of your club members can work together for success. So the first thing that I just want to flag, and this was actually something that was raised to me in one of the first training sessions I ever attended was for Rotaract, was make everyone feel important and valued. So Try and engage your members in a way that everyone has a job. Um, and I think the way to do that is, you know, it comes back to understanding their motivations. Um, it doesn't have to be something that's particularly burdensome. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that a new member needs to now organize an event. And it might be the way that you approach it as well. So if you say to someone, oh, how would you feel about organizing this event for us? That might seem quite intimidating. But if it's something low key, like a social where everyone's just going out to dinner, if you break it up into steps and you just say, 
um, you know, hey, we're looking at doing this event, do you think you could create either, you know, the invitation or the, the social media, like something for us to post on social media, or maybe just ask them, you know, could they actually reach out to the restaurant? Um, so kind of break it down so that you can engage people on a level that they feel comfortable with, but at the same time, providing them an opportunity to contribute actually enables them to feel like they're providing value. It means that it's important that they're there. Otherwise, if they've got nothing to do, um, it's really easy for them to feel like they are replaceable, I guess. So then one of the other elements then is to really look at what's your board structure. So yes, you'll already have positions within your club that you've had, you know, for potentially forever and a day. But a really good question is to ask, well, is this structure actually working for us? Do, do we have the right number of people on our board? Do we, um, you know, would it be beneficial? Does our board need to be smaller and more dynamic? Or at the moment, do we, do we need more people engaged? Um, but again, we can provide some more information on how boards are structured. Um, one of the things that I think is useful is trying to make sure that your communication is targeted. So when our club was at a size of 40 to 50 members, our board was about 12 people. Now that was a lot of people <laughs> to try and keep across everything that we were doing. And so what we did, we actually split the board into administration and uh, kind of projects and uh, like our pillars. So our administrative team was our president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer. And anything around the payments and administration and so forth was purely just managed by the administrative team rather than bogging down the rest of our kind of executionary team with all of those details. Um, we definitely provide them updates and we made sure that we were transparent in the things that were happening, but we didn't need to involve all 12 people in every single decision that was being made. Otherwise, you're just going to increase your chance that people will disagree and feel, um, you know, there's an increase in conflict um, and it'll be really slow for decision making. Um, so I've provided some suggestions on how you could share the load here. Um, obviously, you can tailor it for what your club looks like. One of the things that I think is really good is to ensure that your executive board or your board is actually, they continue to own the meetings because the meetings is where, um, you know, that's where your messaging is. That's where, um, you know, you actually bring everyone together in what you're doing. Um, so if you're going to be refreshing them, you kind of want to make, you know, the board will help with that level of consistency. Then what you can do is empower your members to volunteer to bring all of your events to life. So whether that's social events or professional development or volunteering opportunities. And like I was saying before, you can start really simple in this instance. And I think the important thing to remember and where I've seen other clubs struggle is where there's this perception that the board needs to do all the work. Now, that's not the case. What we actually need to um, do is that the board are there to support the members in running events as well. Um, so the board's kind of there to make sure stuff happens, but it's not really that important who actually runs that event. Um, so the board, like I said, has overall responsibility that events are happening, but it's really important to engage members along that process as well. Now, Alex has had a question. She's got, um, are there strategies and ideas for invigorating, making exciting meetings, and also ideas for more professional development in a meeting, professional development session ideas, or external PD activities? 
Awesome question, Alex. This is my whole area. This is a whole area that I am passionate about in terms of professional development. Um, I'll rattle off a couple of things now, but again, we can do a bit more of a, um, when we do a session around the different sorts of events that um, we can do across the board, we can definitely delve into professional development. Um, so one of the ideas that we implemented was uh, something we call passion presentations. So members could sign up to do a passion presentation and that was a five-minute presentation on anything that they were passionate about. So we had everything from digital security to uh, Indigenous mentoring programs to um, a, a member's experience and challenges with her own OCD. Um, so, yeah, it was a great opportunity for those people to practice their public speaking skills while also providing a deeper connection to the club as to what they were doing. Um, similarly, we've run like professional development icebreakers. Um, so kind of all of those little icebreaker activities um, where, you know, everyone needs to get in the line from, you know, the order of their birthday without talking or like um, how far away they live from the meeting venue or things like that. So we did communication. Um, we've also done workshops in um, meetings as well. So one of the ones that we did just a few months ago was it's called The Girl and the Sailor. Um, it's a professional development workshop on negotiation um, and communication. So that's something that I'd be happy to share with people as well. Um, and then from an external perspective, um, we did a whole host of things. So one of the things we did, we actually partnered with Toastmasters and we had two Toastmasters come in and do a free evening workshop for us on public speaking. We also partnered with PCYC and did a self-defense course. Um, so yeah, like there's a whole, there's so many things that we can do in that space. Um, so yeah, more than happy to go into, um, some professional development things in particular in more detail. Um, and, um, you know, similarly as well, looking at exciting meetings. So I'm really enjoying the topics that are coming up because this will help us shape some of the webinars that we can do in the future. Um, Harley's just said, I like to start meetings with drama games to get people relaxed and engage their creative thinking. And yeah, this is also an opportunity for you to play to your strengths. So if you've got someone in your club who's familiar with these sorts of activities, this is an opportunity for them to kind of be in the spotlight as well. Um, so yeah, Harley, if there are, um, you know, different activities that you can either share, share with us or point us in the direction of a really good source, then I think that's a really good opportunity as well. All right, so step number five um, is one that I think sometimes people feel a little bit intimidated with, and that's actually around running projects. Um, and sometimes it comes back to knowing where to start. Sometimes it's also looking at um, the fact that a project is long-term and that can be a little bit intimidating in itself. Um, so I want to start off by just highlighting why projects are actually important. So the first one is the projects are long term, longer term. So they'll still have a defined period and they should have a defined period. Um, but it means that rather than having all of these kind of ad hoc events, which is still really important, it means that your members are actually connected to an ongoing cause. So, for example, when we did the trip to Nepal, 
we had, so there were members who were involved in organising and understanding what was required for that trip. We then did a massive fundraising event, which was a Bollywood evening. So we partnered with the Nepalese community and our Rotary Clubs and did this whole big Nepalese fiesta. Um, and then we had people from our club actually go to Nepal and deliver on that mission. Um, and so we kind of had this whole really nice story and then at the end of it we had something to really show for it so it wasn't just you know oh we we volunteer for this um you know these different groups and and our contribution has been volunteer hours it was by us being in Nepal we had a hundred and 10 people who we saw at this medical camp that wouldn't have otherwise received medical treatment um and we um, helped rebuild this school where, you know, there are 60 students there and they can now engage in their education more effectively. So it gives you that sense of achievement as well. Um, projects also provide you with the opportunity to connect with external organisations. So whether that's other charities or you're sponsoring Rotary Clubs, um, it's really an opportunity for you to engage more deeply and broadly in the community. And they really give you a greater sense of purpose. So rather than, as I was mentioning, you know, some ad hoc volunteering events, so whether it's, you know, planting a tree or volunteering at a a fun run or so forth, it really gives you the opportunity to do something bigger than yourself and something that you couldn't do alone, which is really cool. Um, Now, with projects, it's, you know, like I said, it can be intimidating. So start simple. Um, you know, one thing, one project that you could actually do um, is around, so say Kiva and microfinance. So if you're not familiar with Kiva, um, Kiva is an online platform where you can create an account and loan money out to um, people in developing countries who are trying to create a living for themselves. So a typical example would be, um, so a lady wants to purchase a goat. So she'll get a loan through Kiva to purchase the goat. She'll milk the goat and then, um, she'll sell the milk. And so then she can repay the loan. And then once the loan's repaid, any money she earns from milking the goat is actually hers. Um, so a project would be, all right, we want to create a Kiva fund so that we can fund 25, um, people. Yeah. 25 people, um, with loans. Um, so to do that, um, each loan, um, you know, is at least $25 in itself. Um, so, you know, you work out how much money you need to raise. You do an actual fundraising event around your own project. So it's a trivia event for creating your own Kiva account. So looking at running fundraising events for your projects rather than just fundraising events for other charities that you're passionate about. So then once you've actually done that fundraising event, you can then create the Kiva account and then someone can actually maintain that account as well. One of the really cool things about Kiva is it's all online. So we've actually used Kiva in the past to engage members who say for a semester they can't come to meetings because they've now got uni on meeting night. We'll say, oh, you know, you can actually help with managing your Kiva accounts. So they're still engaged with the club, still contributing, um, feeling that sense of value even though they can't come to meetings anymore. Now, like I said, projects can, be, can seem really intimidating, um, but there are a lot of resources that are available. So you've got Rorks, which is the Rotary Australia Worldwide Community Service page. It's 
got a so there's a website that lists all of the rocks projects and sometimes you can just kind of jump on a project that rocks is already doing but they can also provide you with best practice guidelines on how to actually run a project as well there's the rotary international project showcase which again if you google it will show you projects from all around the world and you can filter by say focus area so say that you're interested in education you can filter by education if you're interested in a particular area so say you want to do a particular initiative in south america then you can filter by that um, it's a little bit overwhelming because there's so much information but if you've got an idea of what you're looking for then yeah you can get a couple of members to actually um, research that in a really effective way um, we've got our Rotor Act Awards so the clubs that have won those awards have won them because they've done some really great projects and events um, so we've got those resources as well and we can definitely connect you with the people who've run those projects we've got Rotary Down Under which is our national magazine every edition is full of amazing projects that clubs are doing all around Australia and New Zealand and then there is actually a how to run a project guide that Rotary International have put out in the past this guide is fantastic. It tells you everything that you need to do from identifying a community need to actually measuring your project and all the steps in between. We've posted this before in some of our training sites, but we can definitely link this in again as a reminder. And I'd really encourage you to use it as a resource because like I said, it does have all of the steps that you need for project running. Now, does anyone have a question about selecting a focus area or project. Okay, if not, I'll move on to step number six. So step number six is engaging sponsoring Rotary Clubs. Now, the engagement of Rotary Clubs, you know, it doesn't need to happen in this order. Maybe you'll actually want to engage your Rotary Clubs right at the start of this process. Um, maybe now's the right time. And that's depend on what your relationship is with your Rotary Club and what you see, I guess, their skills as as well. But our partnership with Rotary is absolutely critical to sustainability. So to be really, um, I guess, candid about my own experience, when I was president of my club, I certainly maintained connections with my sponsoring or our sponsoring Rotary Clubs. Um, but I didn't really push hard for them to attend meetings. If they attended meetings, that was awesome. Um, but in terms of deeper ongoing engagement, it wasn't something I pushed for. And I guess I didn't feel that as an individual because I felt that I was competent to run the club. So I didn't really feel the need for them um, to be more involved. We were running really well. Um, What's happened over the last couple of years, though, is just through some changes in leadership and different, you know, movement of the guard and so forth, you know, um, we've had some really big challenges. And I now appreciate in hindsight, if we had have had a stronger relationship with our sponsoring Rotary Clubs, I don't think we would be at the point that we're at at the moment because our Rotary, we would have identified that we had issues earlier. Rotary would have helped earlier. Um, and so instead of coming to them at this more um, or at a more dire stage, we would be just having that ongoing relationship. Now, I can also share as well, so when I was District Rotor Act representative, there are at least, I would say there are two specific clubs within our district that have had amazing Rotary partnerships. And from my personal perspective, if those Rotarians weren't engaged in the way that they are, those clubs would have already fallen over and died because they have had challenging periods 
But because the Rotarians have been there, there's kind of been this year ongoing energy, ongoing purpose and, and so forth. So Rotary is critical for sustainability. Now, in terms of how you engage with your sponsoring clubs, maybe you've got one club, maybe you've got multiple clubs, maybe you've got one club officially, but a couple of clubs that are in, um, you know, that have provided you with support. Um, so it's a really good opportunity for you to evaluate your relationships and understand where you think you actually can get the most value. If you've got a formal club on paper, but you're engaging more with another club, is there an opportunity for you to have that delicate situation where you bring the club that's providing you a lot of value actually on board as well? Now, those conversations can be really tricky, but they're really meaningful conversations to actually have. And I know clubs who have actually either shifted their sponsorship or added additional sponsors, um, but really the goal here is just to provide the clubs with the support that they need. I mentioned already around timing um, in terms of um, engagement. So what I mean by that is you might want to actually engage your Rotary Clubs in this whole process, so in the whole brainstorming, um, you know, analysis, um, you know, project selection process, or you might want to have an idea of where your club's actually at and then come to your Rotary Club with, you know, a little bit of a proposal um, and then see where they can provide input. Now, the really key thing is to understand that everyone has an agenda. So it doesn't matter whether it's a Rotaract club or an individual member or a Rotary club, everyone's kind of got their own goals that they're working towards. So it's really important that you engage strategically with your clubs. So understand where your needs and wants align with their needs and wants and where you can, so where you can bring those together to add value to both parties and where you can actually compromise as well. So where you might actually say, well, we'll support you in volunteering for this event if you support us in, um, you know, attending one of our events. But you want to make it mutual and proactive rather than an afterthought. So rather than, oh, we've set up our whole trivia night, we've got two weeks to go, oh, crap, we better invite Rotary. Um, you actually invited Rotary at the very beginning by saying we're interested in this project, we're going to run a trivia night, do you guys want to be involved, can they help with the organising committee and so forth. So being really proactive helps everyone to have buy-in, which means that they're more likely to come anyway rather than just feeling an obligation. Strategic engagement is also really important because there can be a lot of noise um, when you're working with Rotary Clubs. So one of the challenges that I found was when we had three sponsoring Rotary Clubs, there are a lot of events and volunteering and activities and basically competing priorities. And it was difficult to actually take a step back and look at what was actually valuable to our club rather than just getting involved in everything. So one of the ways that you can do that is that if you have this strategic meeting, so you bring, you know, your board members and a couple of members from their clubs together, you can actually create a plan so that everyone knows what the expectations are and how you'll engage. So perhaps if you've got three sponsoring Rotary Clubs, you say, all right, well, we'll support two major Rotary events per year. We'll advertise the rest of the rest of your events, but we'll really push two particular events. So let us know which events are the most important. And then the final element is just formalizing that as well. So having a member who's actually perhaps allocated to each club, make sure that they keep knowing, keep on, you know, going to those clubs, providing updates and having a really clear contact point. Um, and then look at memorandums of understanding as well, just to make sure everyone's on the same page and has a level of um, accountability as well. 
Now, step number seven, have fun. So I can't stress how important having fun is. When members are having fun, they're more engaged, they've got higher energy, they're more productive, and it's just a great environment to be around. It reminds us kind of why we're in Rotaract. So it doesn't mean that every meeting needs to be really casual or you can't be professional because you can then define how you can bring fun into your meetings for your clubs. So, you know, is it icebreakers? Is it drama activities? Is it happy coins? Um, Is it, oh, after our meetings, we all go for a drink and everyone, you know, who would like to come down can come down. Um, One of the things we've done as well is that, you know, our board meetings, we would host it at a board member's house. They we would rotate, so they would put on dinner and we'd have this kind of, you know, social night for our board members while we made the executive decisions that were required to happen as well. Um, so I mentioned consider your market. So what's fun for an 18-year-old and what's fun for a 30-year-old, again, might be really different things. So think about where you're meeting. Does that actually align with your brand? A lot of uni clubs will do free beer and pizza to get people in the door. And that's awesome. It works really well for uni students. If you've got, you know, an older demographic, where are the cool, um, you know, bars or venues that they want to hang around? Um, And then look for opportunities to socialize in all of your events. So, um, you know, is there anything? So, like, if people are coming early, is there a place for whether it's pre-drinks or lunch or um, something? What is then happening in like during the event itself? So if you've got an actual, you know, social event, what does that look like for your club? And then after events as well. So um, as I'm so for Sydney City Road Act, one of the things that we have done and we've consistently done is rather than holding a meal in our meeting, our meeting goes one hour, it's all kind of I'll say road act focused. And then afterwards we go to the pub, we have dinner and we just socialize. So kind of got that segmented. And there are other clubs that prefer to have a meal during their meeting as well. Um, but yeah, feel free to post different elements in the chat as well as to you know, how all of your clubs continue to have fun. I think it's good to continue to share ideas. And I know that there's some awesome suggestions that people are implementing. So, you know, I appreciate my perspective is relatively narrow here as well. Now, the very final step is ongoing evaluation. So, It's all fantastic to have a plan, but the best way to ensure that your plan is working or that it's effective is to actually um, evaluate on an ongoing basis. So it's a good understanding to understand, you know, what are your measurables? What are you actually trying to achieve? How can you actually um, work out whether what you're doing is working or not? And, yes, there's elements like, oh, great, we've got 40 members, so we've had membership growth that must be working. But how can you actually track that and realise when you've got red flags that, oh, all of a sudden we're not getting as many people to meetings and so forth or our retention's really poor at the moment or whatever that looks like. So just by reviewing your strategy quarterly, that gives you a really good opportunity to go, all right, what's working, what's not working, what do we need to put more effort into, what do we need to maintain? Um, you know, are there any new things that have come up that should now be included? Um, and then really looking at, all right, well, how do you adjust your strategy then to make sure that the needs are met? And I think SurveyMonkey is a really good opportunity for ongoing evaluation. Um, you know, it's a good opportunity to just do a quarterly survey to get ongoing feedback and really check whether all your members are happy. 
Um, does anyone have any questions around those last couple of elements? All right. So that kind of concludes the formal part of the presentation. For those who'd like to stay, um, yeah, I'm happy to stay online and see if people have specific questions for their club or whether they've got any feedback on these eight steps. You know, is there something that you think could be added in there? Um, so if you'd like to ask a question, now's your time. Otherwise... If there aren't any questions, I'm happy to close the session off. Um, I really want to thank everyone for their involvement. Um, I've been checking the, the views and we've had more than 20 people engaged for the whole time that this session's been running. So I, it's been fantastic for those who've been able to contribute and stay involved. And I hope this has provided some really good value um, for you. We will definitely look at um, running, so we'll run the next webinar on, um, yeah, so kind of the possibilities and events that we can run in Rotaract per Holly's suggestion. Um, and we'll also do a session on professional development. But if anyone's got any other suggestions on topics that you'd like covered, please just, um, you know, send either me or the team a message um, and we will, um, yeah, and we will in, um, engage accordingly. I've just realised some a, cu a couple of different comments have come up um, that I hadn't seen pop up. Um, so uh, starting with, um, so Harley's just talked about some of the drama activities that they're, that they're doing. Um, Drew's commented about Rotoractor Wiki. So yes, there is a Rotoractor Wiki and we can definitely add more information on that. We've also got the, um, so on our Rotoract Australia um, resources page. There's a lot of information at the moment there, uh, sorry, on there at the moment. We want to try and clean that up a bit. But if there's resources that you want, post in our Australian Rotoractors page and we'll make sure we get them to you. One of the ones that was recently desired was around um, how to chair an AGM. Um, so we've, had, we've pulled together that resource for people um, and we'll share that. So whatever it is that you guys need, we will look at um, at helping with. Um, answering Canyon's question, yes, we'll post the how to run a project guide. Uh, Alex's question, we have excess funds in accounts. We either need to donate or contribute to an international project. Is it okay to research and select one or two already set up ongoing international projects to do? Or is there another way to utilize funds to make a meaningful international contribution? Kiva is actually a really good option for something like that, Alex. And one of the great things about Kiva is you continue to loan out your money. So when someone actually repays the loan, you can loan it out again. So it continues to be used and used and used. And with Kiva, you can actually select which um, people on Kiva you're actually donating to as well. So you can, for example, decide that you want to donate to uh, people who are working in education projects or people who are working on their own businesses or things like that. So I would um, recommend Kiva as a really good ongoing engagement opportunity for your club. Um, if not that, maybe look at some of our, um, you know, other initiatives that we've got going. So we've obviously got Empolio now. We've got um, Road Actors Against Malaria. Um, they're kind of the other 
two that come to mind. Um, I'm sure there's, you know, you can definitely research and, and um, absolutely donate to any other causes as well. But I just try to make it meaningful um, to your point. Um, another question, uh, what if it often feels like Rotary Clubs only want us for bodies on the ground for their events rather than actually acting as mentoring? Awesome question, Holly. Um, I think that really comes back to, so there's a, a manual um, that is just the Rotary Act manual, and it talks about what the responsibilities of Rotary Clubs are to sponsor a Rotary Act Club. Um, and, you know, I think that's an opportunity if that's if that's a challenge and you don't feel like you can have that conversation with your sponsoring Rotary Club. So like I said, the first thing I do is try and talk to your sponsoring Rotary Club um, you know, and develop this strategy and partnership. If they're really not engaging, they're not seeing your value, they just want to use your slave labour, um, then that's when I would start to talk to your district Rotor Act representative or perhaps the Rotary Youth Chair, um, sorry, the Rotor Act Youth Chair um, from Rotary and look at how you can actually get some support from leadership within Rotaract to help build those relationships a little bit further. Um, would be happy to have a discussion with you offline on that uh, in a little bit more detail, Holly, or if that's actually, um, you know, we again, we could also do another webinar on ro bridging the gap between Rotary and Rotaract. That's also a deck I've kind of got handy. Uh, sorry, just looking at... Uh, the other questions, um, do you have an example or survey templates for the quarterly surveys? Um, so, Holly, there is a um, – there is actually – it's like a membership, a member or a club health check. That's a good place to start because it's got kind of a list of everything that you should be doing as a Rotary uh, – sorry, as a Rotaract club. Um, I'll find the health check and I'll post that as well. Um and then in terms of quarterly surveys, I would just keep it um, uh, super simple. So I don't know of an example at the moment, but I'd keep it simple in terms of, you know, we had those five areas. We had meetings, projects, volunteering, professional development, and social. And so you could make it as simple as um, rate our meetings on a scale of one to five, um, one being dis very dissatisfied being very satisfied and then quantitatively manage it like that and then you can have a qualitative part to say you know what suggestions do you have for building our um you know making our meetings better um that's also something that we can try and help with um and then I think the last question that we've got is just from Alex so how to increase retention or engage potential members and young people so I think this really comes back, Alex, to step number one, which was motivation. Um, so it's really good and I think we do a great job of recruiting road actors. They come in, they're really excited and they love what we're doing, but the retention bit's hard because we kind of, at least what I've seen in most clubs is we forget about our existing members and we're constantly focused on managing all of the new members that are coming in the door. And I think a really good thing to do is similarly, so yes, you might have a coffee or a meeting with, you know, someone when they join, how can you set things up so that, you know, can you have, it'll depend on your number of members, but can you have a quarterly, um, you know, coffee catch up with them 
or something that, um, you know, is also really good to do is actually um, develop a buddy system. So when a new member joins, they actually have a buddy with an existing member and that existing member's job is to make sure that, that you know, that member is engaged, they, um, their needs are being met. Um, one of the other things that... Um, one of the other things that you can do as well is we've had like a membership tracker be increased um, or sorry, um, a membership tracker be introduced as well so that you've got an idea of, oh, this person's missed three meetings. Let's reach out to them and make sure that they're okay. And it doesn't have to be why aren't you coming to Road Act. It's purely just are you okay? And I've had people say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I've had stuff on at the moment, but I really appreciate you asking. Um, so we've, we can find um, – we definitely have all of these retention ideas um, and suggestions also coll um, collated, so can definitely pull that across um, as well. Um, the second part of your question, Alex, and this is, looks like it'll be the last question now for this session, is um, how to engage potential members and young people. So some of this comes back to what your brand is. When you understand what your purpose is for a Rotaract, for your Rotaract club, it's easier for you to engage people in that space. So at the moment, we've got a road out club that's trying to start up in, uh, it's actually trying to start in Parramatta. And one of the suggestions I had, or sorry, one of the things that came up on my newsfeed recently was an advertisement for young business, um, young business professionals in Parramatta, like it's a networking group that exists. So how can you actually it's not just about approaching that group and trying to get them to enjoy to join Rotaract. It's about actually partnering with them. So perhaps they want more people to join their their business networking initiative as well. So can you actually run a networking night between Rotaract and the business networking group? And you know, can you actually cross pollinate? So I think um, you know, engaging potential members really comes to collaborations, comes to partnerships, um, and kind of leveraging existing platforms rather than isolated um, incidents. Uh, I guess the question is, does that answer your question? We can certainly come back to, um, yeah, more strategies on membership engagement, but I think it's um, a really good question to have. Um, we are still at 24 people, which is exciting. I really appreciate everyone who's stayed on the line. So, oh, more questions. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, Drew, how important is attendance tracking? Rotary seems to be moving away from it, but what's the better way to assess overall health of membership? So I think that comes back to engagement. So yes, meeting attendance is one thing, but how are your members actually contributing? From my perspective, if a member's attending meetings, but they're not actually volunteering at anything, they're not actually um, organizing any events, really, they're kind of just a, a, you know, it's kind of just a filler. You want people to be engaged and contributing. So I think a better way to do it is to actually have, you know, when a member starts, maybe even have just like an engagement plan or a member plan and understand, you know, what are the skills that they want to develop, what they want to be involved in, um, and actually make sure that though, like that membership plan's actually being achieved. Um, I completely agree. Like attendance should just be used as another metrics, so to speak. So it's your way of tracking when someone might be disengaged rather than an element of success, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, attendance is good, but you really want 
engagement, um, but you can still use attendance as an indication of when people aren't engaged. Does that help to answer your question, Drew? Oh, here we go. Someone's commented from the RA page. I think it's more about what you achieve as a team, not how often an individual attends. You have to encourage people to be their best with the time that they have. Members can still make a big difference with a small amount of time if they're committed. So, yeah, that kind of reflects the point that I was trying to make before around a member who can't attend meetings but they're managing our Keeper page, for example. So look at, look at how, they can, how people can engage outside of meetings as well. So thanks, Drew. Um, last call for questions. All right, this has been awesome, everyone. Thank you so very much for your contributions and for engaging. Um, like I said, I'm glad that this has provided value to some of you and it's given a really good indication for us as to what some future topics for these sessions could be as well. So pretty excited to continue um, along with this thread. So have a great evening, everyone, um, and we'll get those resources out to you as soon as possible. Thank you so much.